0: And welcome to another edition of Reproducer, the podcast that talks to radio producers about radio production. I'm Jenny Nelson.
3: And I'm Mark Jeeves. And one of the things that we've both really enjoyed while making these podcasts is hearing the passion that producers have for audio content, whether it's linear radio or offline. And today we're going to speak to someone whose passion led them to actually living their dream, as you will hear. Our guest today is the founder and CEO of Grape Productions, Rachel Barton.
2: Having listened to it for such a long time as as a avid listener, um, to then be involved in the you know putting together the show and kind of putting that on air was just amazing. I think it's just about working really hard and and just trying to excel and be the very best at whatever you do.
0: Rachel is going to tell us how she got into radio, what it was like producing Pete Tong and Annie Mac and loads of other dance shows on Radio One what she's learnt from setting up an independent production company, Grape, and she's going to give her advice for people who want to work in radio, specifically dance music radio. It's all about making the most of opportunities, and we're delighted that Rachel could take the time to chat to us. We started by asking her what qualities she looks for when she's hiring producers to work with her at Grape. Re- producer.
2: Re-
1: Re-producer. producer
2: Well, um... I think first and foremost for me, it's enthusiasm. Like I think we, you have to have someone that kind of just really loves, you know, loves the job really. Even even if they're not particularly experienced, there's just got to be some kind of enthusiasm and just a love for what they're doing. Whether it's you know specifically working in music, radio, or more speech, it's just I think it's just having that, you know, the enthusiasm and the love for for radio first and foremost, and for audio as well. Um, I also would say I'm a bit of a stickler for. To be like attention to detail in their written presentation. So if someone has applied for a role, I really like the email to kind of look good and the the CV to be kind of well presented. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily you know matter if they're hugely experienced, but it's you can just tell the kind of person that really takes care in what they do and how they represent themselves. And I think that's a bit of an extension into kind of potentially you know script writing and the things that they, they might be end up, end up doing if I was to employ them. So I think that's really important to me. Um, I think as well it's I really love seeing people that have kind of immersed themselves in the industry in whichever way they can. So whether that's hospital radio, community radio, student radio, whatever way they've been able to find a kind of a door in and kind of have experience, I think that's that shows a you know a bit of a self-starter attitude and again that kind of enthusiasm and, and love for the for the kind of medium that I'd be looking for. Um, and also, I think, lastly, sense of humour, because you want to be able to, you know, get on with people and have a laugh and enjoy your job. And um, so I think it's just kind of recognising someone that um, yeah can do that. Oh, and lastly, as well, which is something that, you know, I, I feel recently has become really prevalent to me is, is also perhaps trying to find people that bring something different to your current team. So, you know, we don't want to hire the same people or people who have a very similar kind of music taste or kind of background. It's it, it's really lovely to have people that are really up in pop culture and, and are kind of in t- on TikTok all the time and somebody else who just immerses themselves in kind of underground techno. And I think it, it kind of makes for a really interesting group of people and certainly for Grape, um, that's what's needed.
3: That is really interesting. And as you say, you, you, you've clearly got quite a diverse team then uh, around you in, in, in bring you all sorts of different skills and all sorts of different talents. If you had to crystallise, though, that into what the role of the producer was, what would you say a role of a producer is?
2: I think the pr- producer, just, they just keep everything on the road. They are the the linchpin, the kind of... the. the... We'll have, you know the the most important thing of a radio program really is the producer, and the 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 role is is so varied and it's so kind of demanding in terms of different skill sets. And I think certainly in my career, I've really seen that massively increase over the last twenty years in terms of particularly what we do in music radio, um, in terms of the kind of skills they need to have. But essentially, it's kind of having that real level-headed person. That can kind of really, you know, bring everything together and make the program to be as brilliant as it possibly can, and to make the talent do the very best that they can, they can do basically. So yeah, it's, it's a it's a pretty broad job. I can't think of that many other jobs, you know, even outside the industry that have as many kind of different skills as a radio producer needs.
3: Yeah, it's something we've heard time and time again, and I think yeah, your description is yeah, sums it up really beautifully.
2: Yeah, my mum still doesn't have a clue. I don't think what I do. Like
3: none of our mums know, know what they, we do. They just They've don't.
2: Right, do. family members are just like what? What does a radio producer do? And I'm like, oh my gosh, where do we start? <laughs> there's a the, the long list. So they are um, they are incredible people, in my opinion.
0: <laughs> so so let's let's talk about you. How did your how did your career start? Where did your love of radio come from? Give us a radio journey for you.
2: Well, I grew up in the middle of the countryside and basically the choice on the radio at that time was uh, the local station and there was Radio 1 Um, and I just absolutely loved Radio 1, particularly Pete Tong on a Friday night Uh, you know kind of immersing myself in the essential selection as it was at that time it was on air from 6 till 9 p.m on a Friday and it was just this kind of gateway to this whole new world and I remember being kind of 16 17 just and just really into dance music and just being like my mind blown by the kind of tracks he was playing and the life that he was kind of describing and you know the club community etc and so that was really my kind of portal and obviously daytime radio one was also really exciting but it really was Pete on a Friday night that kind of I gravitated towards and and. kind of became my weekly you know I, I can't miss this type type scenario so um, that's how it all kind of the love started um, but I was also just massively into the music and kind of had decks and my friends and I would you know be like you know playing music and mixing tracks on kind of belt-driven turntables and trying not to make too many clanging mixes and stuff so I was just really into the kind of dance music world um, and then kind of a slightly convoluted way I ended up kind of working in Ibiza for a summer and that was a great experience for me but then I kind of came back from Ibiza and I think I was kind of 22 years old and I was like what do I I do. I'm not really sure, you know, what my next step step is, and then I heard an um, a role on, uh, kind of advertised on Radio One. Uh, through BBC Talent where they were looking for three different people to work in three different genres of music Um, and I applied I applied for the the dance music role it was called Music Masters and I had to do a kind of quite complicated kind of entry process where they kind of whittle down whittle down and I got to the final 10 and 10 of us went to Radio 1 and had had like a day of doing all different tasks Um, we had to do a playlist meeting and discuss records we had to um basically take a written written news story about dance music and rewrite that into radio and kind of Uh, you know present that as a news piece ourselves Um, and lots of different tasks and basically I ended up getting the job and the job was a a year's traineeship on Pete Tong's show um, at working at Radio One and that was just life-changing for me obviously from having kind of grown up listening to him and his show to then kind of be working on it as a trainee was just that's amazing yeah Yeah. I I, I can imagine how that must have felt just like actual well, disbelief, I'm sure. Just wow. Yeah, it was very, it's very special. Like, I was living in Southampton at the time with some friends. I had to move up to London in three weeks, and. You know, just it was just mad, but um, it gave me the most amazing opportunity, and and it made me. Uh, the, I was also able to work in different areas of Radio One during the course of that year. So I spent some time in newsbeat and spent some time with the live events team. I went to Glastonbury and sat in the Sam One Truck beside the Pyramid Stage and did timings for them. And basically, about eight months into that traineeship year, um, Annie Mac Show was launching, and they asked me to be broadcast assistant. And then i ended up getting a permanent job and stayed there for 10 years and became pete's producer annie max producer and, and all lots and lots of the other dance shows um and that was that and then it kind of got to 2010 2011 and i just felt you know what i've kind of done everything i wanted to do what's next and that's when i thought i'll start an indie which is what i did
0: <laughs> like launching an indie and then you know grapes so established and doing so many brilliant projects what what have been your bi- biggest lessons about since launching Grape about running a production company?
2: Um, I think it's it's people it's having really 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 great people to kind of work alongside to work with like we touched on earlier having different perspectives and although a lot of them a lot of the programs we make within the dance music space even within dance music it's it's so broad and so successful now it's really you know important to have people that can bring different kind of um, as I said kind of musical loves within the genre and also just generally different perspectives across across kind of popular culture so I think it's it's building a really really good team, um, and I think it's having really really high standards and never thinking oh that'll do. It's just making sure we're just delivering the best we possibly can. And one of the intentions when started Grape was was just to have very um, you know good integrity across what we do, both with kind of within staffing, but also within our clients. So we we just try and. and you know be really kind of um have a lot of attention to details regards to kind of how we treat our clients and make sure they're happy and you know go the extra mile um and and yeah so i think it's i think it's mainly those few things what does a typical day for you involve at great if you can have a typical day I don't know if I do have a difficult day. I suppose I probably do, but you know, my role now, I mean, I, I I always hesitate to call myself CEO because CEOs should be people that like work on multinational companies, but essentially it's my company. So, but I'm really involved in obviously the operational parts of it. So the kind of, you know, the nuts and bolts of actually running the business, um, as, as well as kind of the team. Um, obviously I have a senior team as well, but I'm very involved in, in everybody's projects because. A lot of them, you know, for example, we, we produce Pete Tong's show for Radio 1. And so I have, a, you know, obviously a really long relationship with him. And so it's really important. And I just love still being like uh, involved in his show from a very kind of you know behind this you know behind the scenes and, and kind of certainly not as involved as I used to be when I produced it because I'm 42 years old now I'm not you know I'm not living a breathing club music in the same way as I did so um, but yeah so I guess a typical day is kind of checking in with the team uh, looking at the to-do list kind of figuring out kind of what company tasks I might need to do whether it's invoicing you know contracting for new 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 businesses etc but um and another part i i really love to do is new business so kind of going out there and um meeting new clients coming up with new ideas so uh it's pretty varied i think one day i'm going to have to actually focus a bit more on certain things because at the moment it's as i say i, I do a lot of different things but i really enjoy that and get a lot of satisfaction from it and looking back at at your
0: role when you were you know solely a producer is there a proudest moment that you you remember particularly fondly?
2: Um, well, I'm definitely showing my age here, but some people will remember if they did listen to Pete Tong back in the day, that they he had a feature called The Usual Suspects, which um was involved DJ's which at the time probably technology-wise was like an amazing thing. But like all, you know, DJs had a number and they called up and they left an answer phone message saying where they where they were playing that weekend. And I just remember like starting on Pete's show as a trainee, and that was my job was to collate these messages. So I kind of had to kind of record them from the answer phone and, and very basic, you know, start to learn how to edit them together and stuff. And I just again, having listened to it for such a long time as, as a avid listener, um, to then be involved in the even, you know, putting together the show and kind of putting that on air was just amazing so that was a really um a kind of proud moment from the very early days and i suppose again probably thinking back to my time at radio one i was very lucky to be to produce a huge amount of ob's like within about five years i i must have produced kind of up to 30 ob's from like all over europe and um we did one in brazil and you know i was very very fortunate and be- i guess because of the experience i got um i you know, when I started out, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. But by the end of that period, I was like, you know, what? I feel like I I feel like I know what I'm doing. Like things can always go wrong, but at least I know the basics. And I just remember we we did some broadcasts for Radio 1 and Ibiza and they just were I was just really happy with them in terms of everything going really well. Feeling very proud of the work that the team and I had done. And yeah, so I feel that that was a, that was a, a very special moment. And then more recently, I guess just like working with with the talent that we we work with at the moment kind of building a really great uh slate of shows that we we, we have right now and, and kind of you know working with some incredible women within the industry which is really important to me as well who just in case listeners
0: aren't aware who are the presenters on your roster who are the shows that you're you work with at grape regularly
2: so the current uh slate in summary is um we we produce the blessed madonna show on six music which is a saturday night um show she's a she's an incredible club dj um from america she's based now in london um we work with annie nightingale i've worked with annie nightingale for about 15 years now so we produce her show for radio one we, we work with charlie hedges who produces dance anthems uh, sorry presents dance anthems on radio one which is the biggest dance show in europe um we work with Pete Tong, as I said. Um, we work with Sarah Story, who now does a show called Future Dance, uh, which is on Friday nights on Radio 1 at 8 o'clock. And until last year, until Annie Mack left the network, um, we produced her show as well. And then what else? We do lots of other bits and pieces, like lots of sounds pro- uh, projects that we're working on at the moment. So, But they're all kind of cool weekly shows.
3: It's fascinating. Uh, the more you speak, the more jealous I get. There's a huge dance music fan that you've done all those things. So I, I you know brilliant that you did all those aside you've mentioned pete a lot i'm guessing he's one of them but i'm interested to find out who have been the biggest influences on in your career and and how they influence you
2: yeah i would say my first producer is a lovely chap called damian wilson and he was he was a producer at radio one and, and as i say when i started there as a trainee i learned so much from him um he was a dj as well and you know, he also used to put together Pete's show, and just just in terms of like learning about radio and learning about dance music radio specifically, I would definitely cite him as a big influence. And again, someone who's not lost the passion. I know he still works in radio, music, radio, and does some really, really great things. um and someone else I'd say is Lorna Clark, who I don't I don't actually know very well. But whenever anyone asks me this question, I'm always like, I think she's brilliant because I just really admire. You know the fact that she has done so many interesting things at the BBC, both in, you know, both at the BBC and externally um, across the radio industry, and uh, I just really admire her, her way of working. And as I say, I don't know her particularly well, but whenever I have had the, you know, the, you know, been fortunate to kind of see her at work, I just think she's got a really fantastic way about her and. I think she's a really decisive and, and kind of calm and kind of collected leader. And I think that's a it's really inspiring way to be.
3: From all of those people, we all yeah, we all have influences, we all learn lessons from them. What would you say was the most significant lesson that you have ever learnt from any of your influences?
2: Um it's a very good question. I think I think maybe maybe it's more something that I've kind of realized in terms of observing other people and working with people and 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 stuff. I think it's just about I think it's just about working really hard and and just trying to excel and be the very best at whatever you do um and I think it's 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 perhaps it's finding your niche and it's finding the things that your your strength and the thing you're really good at and the thing that you enjoy the most because obviously it makes sense for that's the thing you're going to work really hard at yourself but I think it's just about really finding that and just putting everything into it and you know immersing yourself in that area and, and looking to your peers and, and taking inspiration from the things that you love about what they do and then also going this is maybe what I would have done differently and, and just just working incredibly hard and um you know not to quote Lou Reed he's not really a, an artist that particularly on on radar but it's the you, you know you reap what you sow type thing and um it's uh, yeah I think it's just about that for me
3: Reproducer. if you were giving advice to anyone who was listening to this who who was aspiring to be in this um show reap what you sow one of those what other what other bits of advice would you give them
2: yeah i think it's just kind of you know referring back to the point i just made about find you know find the area of production that you love the most like what's what's your niche? What's your, your kind of USP? If if there is one, And sometimes it it takes a while to find that it might be speech radio. It might be music radio. It might be, you know, making promos for top of hours. It might be sound design or whatever, but I think it's just, what is it that you really love about our industry and, and just, you know trying to be the best you can at that Um, because obviously the competition is fierce out there there's there's lots of kind of aspiring people so i think it's it's knowing yourself and knowing what you can do um compared to others which i think is really important
3: so knowing yourself as you do now with your time in the industry if you could go back and chat to your younger self and give them one piece of advice based on your experience what would that be
2: I think it would be to have confidence because I didn't for a long time. I was, you know, that slight imposter syndrome thing, having, you know, thinking back to how I got into radio and I won a competition. And although that was, that was obviously, I was very proud of myself for that. It was still, you know, such a big change for me to kind of move to London in three weeks and start this job at this, you know, this radio, radio one, which was just like this beacon of wonderfulness for me and stuff and working alongside people that I hugely respect. And I think for a long time I was just a bit like, you know, starstruck by the whole thing so I think um you know I for, for a while I didn't I didn't have a massive amount of confidence but I just remember just quietly kind of thinking well this is the opportunity I have I'm just going to get my head down and learn and be super humble and just enjoy every every bit I can but um and even now like you know public speaking doesn't come easy to me like you know holding a big staff meeting it's not not necessarily something that like I'm the most confident at doing and I think probably a lot of people in the audio industry are the same because if you're a producer, if you 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 naturally are a behind the scenes type of person, whereas you know our, our whole career is about bigging up the presenters who are the kind of the talent and the on air and you know the big names and and our as an as you know in our nature to kind of not be necessarily uh, the the loudest, but I think it's just I wish I could tell myself that actually you're doing all right, so just keep going. <laughs> uh, well, you've mentioned talent, Rachel, and that's something that we like to
0: chat to our guests about because. Well, presenting talent often, I mean, I don't want to generalize, but, um, sometimes they're radio talent through and through, as in they've come up through radio. Sometimes, you know, they might be telly names who've come into radio. But from you and your experience, I suppose working with like, with club DJs who then become radio presenters. I mean, in general, I'd like to ask you your top tips on talent management, but I think in particular with your, with your specialism in dance music, do you have any specific tips for working with DJs in a radio studio?
2: Well, I think in terms of kind of actual do's and don'ts on talent, first of all, I think it's, for me, I just feel like you're being, you know, to be that problem solver, to be the person that, you know, they can come to you with any kind of problem, and you're essentially going to fix it. I think like that inspires a lot of confidence, which essentially I think a presenter really, you know, looks for in a, in a good producer and a good team. So I think it's being a good problem solver, being a good, you know, having a good ear, um, being on their side, and you know, and I, that can be tricky sometimes because depending on the kind of personalities um, and stuff. But essentially, you want to be their champion um, as much as possible, whilst also being the audience's champion if that makes sense because ultimately all we're trying to do is serve the audience as the best we can and and also I'd say kind of preempting requests. Like I remember there was a DJ I worked with on Radio One who had a bit of a reputation and uh, as being quite tricky. And I, I just remember kind of starting on, on his show and just learning what he liked when he came into the studio. And almost then I'd start would start preempting it and kind of, you know, not in a calculator way, but just in a way of like, I just want him to be in a good mood in order for him to do his job the best he can. So I'd kind of prepare this or do that, and and he'd kind of arrive. And it would all be done. And I just I just remember that he was always a bit like, Oh, okay. And 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 it just got us on a really good footing and, and you know, and then we were away. But in terms of dance music talent, I mean dance music as a genre again kind of comparing to kind of a radio producer personality like dance music producers a lot of the time they haven't got huge personalities sometimes they're quite quiet you know they love working in a studio they love pressing buttons they, they love making things sound really really good so sometimes it can be difficult to kind of draw the the kind of the natural uh, personality out of them um, and I think it's kind of going back to basics it's giving them lots and lots of confidence it's helping them with their scripting um, you know almost taking it link by link if you you're recording, you know, say if you're pre-recording an as live show, almost kind of talking through the link as you go along and really kind of trying to help structure them and giving them kind of bullet points and a kind of you know, in and out of their link, etc. But I think the most, the biggest thing is confidence and also just trying to kind of suss them out a little bit before them, get to know them so that whatever you put in the show, whatever features there might be, if there are features, it kind of works for them and and what what their capabilities are. Um, But yeah, first and foremost, I think it's about giving confidence and just making them see that it can be really fun. And I, when I say that sometimes they haven't got the big personalities, there obviously are, you know, people that do have big personalities, and and that's really great. But as I said, the majority of them perhaps are a little bit shyer. <laughs> yeah, um, it must have been an
0: amazing experience working with Annie Mack from the start of her kind of broadcasting radio career. And I mean, I think I consider her one of the top broadcasters at the moment. I mean, she's she's just excellent at everything I've heard her do. I mean, so what was it like working with her from from the beginning of that Radio One show?
2: It was amazing. It was so incredibly special um, because she had she had really wanted her own show for a long, long time, and it was a real ch- a kind of time of change within music at that point. And, you know, for us for so long, it, you know, we were coming off the back of kind of the 90s super clubs, and it, by this point it was kind of um, mid-2000s, but we were kind of – there was a lot of white male, you know, DJs on these, you know, these huge kind of, you know, DJ – DJ booths, etc., and and she really changed the game because her show was supposed to all be about instead of looking at the DJ and the DJ booth, Annie being alongside you on the dance floor, like being your friend and kind of ushering you through the music in that respect. And I think that was that was a really wonderful thing to be part of. And 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 she just you know completely uh, was fantastic at doing that so it felt it felt really exciting and and also the music was quite exciting at that point there was a lot of new sounds was a lot of kind of new talent and young names coming through dance music so that was just a really it was just a zeitgeisty time I guess and then I think yeah just watching her flourish and and seeing the the show because even the way we put the show together was quite different to what was on radio on at that time there weren't really long mixes in fact obviously her her, you know one of the biggest features was the mini mix which was a five minute mix of music and all the other mixes were being like half an hour at the very least if not an hour two hours kind of thing so it was literally the antithesis of what was out there and that was really really exciting um and I just yeah, I have so many memories of of you know me as a very young broadcast assistant, and then a couple of years later as her producer, doing OBs for the first time from like clubs at you know Dundee at Radio One's Big Weekend or whatever, and me being on talk back to the truck and being completely terrified, like with a really <laughs> kind of wobbly voice, like "hello," kind of you know chatting to the engineer, and then Annie like having shaky hands pressing play on the CDJs and stuff. So we really like learnt our craft together, and it was it was amazing to be part of. It was really special.
0: Oh, wow. Thank you. And I mean, I know we've touched on this with going back to kind of producers who are at the early stages of their career and advice for them, but what should we in the industry be doing to nurture new talent and to be nurturing a more diverse range of new talent? I mean, can you think of collectively what everyone should be doing?
2: I mean, I think what's really encouraging is that there's lots more opportunities that you know out there, such as multi-track, which we take part in um, each year, which is a really fantastic scheme to to help people who who don't haven't necessarily found the easiest route into radio, and in, in giving people kind of the opportunity to have experience at independent independent production companies. Um, the BBC, you know, having gone through the brought you know gone through their own talent scheme they they still do a fantastic one called where it begins which is across radio one one extra and again it takes people to be interns and the the kind of talent coming out of those pools are really really great and and it's yeah very impressive um and I think I was thinking about this before we spoke actually and I think I, I think perhaps it's kind of ensuring that people that are the next generation of audio production talent almost get experience right across the sector. And what I mean by that is, you know, to be slightly controversial, it's not just audio, because so much of what we do at Grape, you know, we every every program we make has a social offering now. A lot of the time it has an even more kind of bigger visual offering. And we're never I'd never say that we're a TV production company because we're absolutely not. Like first and foremost, we're audio. But you know, these the future generation of audio producers are going to be making content for the future radio Listeners and those listeners, I think, want to be able to consume content in a variety of different ways, and whether that's you know turning on the radio to listen to that listen to the radio, or it's kind of consuming something on YouTube or or social. I think it's about equipping you know uh, the future of of our producers within our industry with the skills to be able to offer you know those those that kind of content or be able to make that kind of content to to the audiences of the future. If that makes sense, it's quite convoluted. <laughs>
3: No, it's not, it wasn't convoluted. It does make sense. And actually, it feeds into something else that we like to ask, I guess, which is about the future of radio specifically. What do you think? How, how will it have to adapt and change? And what, what do you see as radio's future?
2: I think it's perhaps a little bit of acceptance that we may not, in t- certainly in terms of youth radio, I mean, the, things have been changing so much over, you know, 10, 15 years. We may not ever see the kind of figures that we did in the past, and 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 that may, that's actually okay. And I think nowadays, like Radio 1, for example, are very clever in the way that they don't just look at radar. Obviously, I know that's what everyone picks up on, uh, particularly the kind of press, um, but actually what's what, it's about measuring Um, you know, how many YouTube views or how many people have engaged with their content on YouTube. And it's so it's less about kind of only the the linear radio experience, but more about all the different content that a brand such as Radio One can offer. So I think it's just us as an industry being okay with that again and not kind of using radars as the the beacon of uh, success or failure. I think it's actually about also reaching audiences in whichever way we can. And I think that, you know, that's that's what we've got to keep focusing on.
3: No, that's a good point, because it does feel like there's a hunger for content. It's just the delivery methods that are changing and the the, the mechanisms and the length of it and all those other things that we've grown. Yeah, used and, to. I
2: think, and I think, sorry to interrupt you, and I think, um, you know, we see kind of the, the amazing work that Greg James and the breakfast team on Radio 1 do in terms of, like, these big kind of on-air projects, and there's a, there's still a huge appetite for those live moments that can't be replicated in any other way, you know, Spotify and et cetera. They can never, they can never offer that. And I think that so it still has a a massive place in terms of kind of connecting people in a a live environment. But it's also about, as I said, you know, finding and publishing that content in other places that people can find and enjoy.
3: So let's get back to you, Rachel. And uh, is there a dream talent that you have yet to work with that you would think they're on my list? Before I finish this, I have to work with them.
2: Do you know what? I'm going to be really boring. I was thinking about this before and I don't, I don't, I, you know, apart from the likes of people that, you know, are so outside of my world, you know, you know, in, inspirational people like Greta Thunberg or Barack Obama, you know, people that do incredible things globally. I feel like I'd be very fortunate and and I was able to kind of, in terms of what my early ambitions were, I was able to luckily enough fulfill them and I was, you know, really proud of that. But I, I adore the feeling of live event radio you know, thinking back to kind of Grape's work in the last few years we did a, a huge um Abitherobe in 2018, um, which for Radio One, which was amazing and dealt with a lot of kind of on air problems because there was a heat wave across Europe and everything was just melting live on air. But um it just but it was amazing and, and again the, the power of teamwork, which I think is is something that I really love within our industry. It's, it's a really powerful thing when you work with a team. You know big or small and, and you get together and you 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 do something really special i find that incredibly rewarding so i suppose in my dream world just a beautifully executed live ob you know audio and visual with an incredible lineup of music acts and um yeah that that i i guess that, that by the end of the broadcast i just would feel really proud of how we all how we all did and how it how it was and hopefully the audience enjoyed it so i think that's that that'd be it for me
3: no, that sounds great. And uh, having had you mention an OB truck, I've never worked with an OB truck. That's one of my new ambitions. I want to have an outside, a truck. OK, so it's not oh. only a computer, but having a truck sounds yeah, great. No.
2: <laughs> yeah, the live music team at the BBC have their Sound One, which is the biggest truck of all, which is behind the Pyramid Stage, and that's literally got like a mixing desk, the width oh. of an articulated lorry. It's a sight to behold. Oh, my um, goodness. So, yeah, it's definitely a bucket listing.
3: <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to have a conversation with Jenny about our, our new OB <laughs> truck in just a few minutes. Um, uh, we tend to finish off by asking if there's um, some specific moments in your career, which could be summed up by uh, an OMG, first of all. Have you had any OMG moments?
2: I would say that a memory that I have with Annie Mac, we were. We were sent, to we went to a wireless festival in London. I can't actually remember. It would have been like late noughties, but basically we, we were told that we could get some time with Daft Punk, which again, for me and, you know, my kind of dance music obsessed heads, like obviously that they are like, you know, they're the Beatles of dance music, you know, you just don't really get to, to kind of speak to them very often. And so we turned up at Hyde Park and we found their dressing room and, and I was, um, we were using a mini disc at that point. Remember those? Yeah. Um, and it just felt so like, oh my God, can I really record an interview with Daft Punk with this tiny piece? You (laughs) You need a truck. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I should have taken the OB truck. Um, but we yeah we found our way into the dressing room and they were very lovely and welcoming and Annie interviewed them and she was really nervous and I was like holding the microphones, just desperately checking that maybe this recorder was actually recording and I just remember they were so lovely but they were so incredibly intelligent and they were so you know unbelievably thoughtful about every aspect of their music which again is why they obviously had such have such a legacy but there were there were points in the interview I think me and Annie were just kind of nodding in a slightly confused way whilst they talked about kind of the most complex complicated things that they could but so that was definitely an omg moment for sure
3: and they had the helmets on right just just
2: no they didn't oh. have the helmets on so we saw what they looked like so the helmets were kind of there uh, yeah but <laughs> no they, helmets no truck no helmets. i mean
3: yeah. um is, is there a moment that could be uh, best described by ffs
2: um Again, this is an Annie Mac story um, oh. when I was producing her show and we went to New York and I think she was on tour. So we went to broadcast her show, her Friday night show at that point from the Sirius um, Skyscraper, which was very nice. I think at that point, if you'll remember, Radio 1 went out on Sirius in, in, in America. So they very oh kindly we to come and use their studio to broadcast her show. And of course, like we jumped at the chance. So um, we went up in, in skyscraper went to this beautiful studio It had kind of glass doors all the way around like right in the middle of their office which was slightly weird was kind of slightly goldfish bowl feel yeah. but it was fine and then we had we, we'd booked quite a big guest a big american guest who um, had promised he would turn up on time and guess what he didn't turn up on time oh, no. um, despite it being kind of you know late afternoon like that's the time difference in new york's five hours isn't it so it wasn't particularly you know early in the day and we and we kind of all through the show kind of said apparently he's going to be here any moment and right at the end he did actually um turn up but i think yeah that was a bit of a like oh frustration and kind a of moment but anyway it was it was made up for the fact that we were in new york so it wasn't too bad
3: yeah. that's that's uh, that's yeah i was gonna say there's some compensations there and you got to work in the serious studio that's very cool and i know i didn't know that Sir- uh, radio one went out on serious that must be the howard stern studio i guess the 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 thing that he sits in and does all his big I, interviews
2: i think he has his uh or he certainly oh. had his own and nobody sets foot in that studio this is <laughs> a, a spare one that um that, that we were allowed to mere mortals were allowed to walk into
3: <laughs> no one's allowed in that one That's fascinating. (laughs) No, it's really good. And fascinating to talk to you, Rachel. Thank you for that.
0: No problem. Thank you very much. I'm delighted you managed to get mini-discs in. Yes, well done. (laughs) uh, They're such an off-their time, like just that few years where mini-discs were like the thing. And then where are they now?
2: I know, exactly. It's a simpler time, but then probably a better time we don't have endless mini-discs cluttering up space and stuff.
3: (laughs) Reproducer.
2: Do you know what? I'm absolutely delighted we've got
0: mini-discs into this podcast series. Honestly, they were a huge part of, um, especially my student radio days, big on mini-discs.
3: Oh, they were revolutionary. I miss them. (laughs) Not.
0: Um, We hope you enjoyed listening to Rachel's story on reproducer, And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's incredibly envious of all her OBs in very exciting locations. Um, I mean, obviously you were with the OB truck. I know.
3: (laughs) there's someone who really did live the dream and all through those those kind of you know statutory things that we talk about hard work and putting yourself in front of the right people I think she was absolutely inspirational I love listening to her story it was great
0: and before we go we just wanted to take a minute to tell you about another podcast you might enjoy this one from the Radio Academy and there is a new episode every Wednesday
3: the Radio Academy is the charity that promotes excellence in radio and audio through skills development and knowledge sharing across the industry and every week they focus on a recent radio or audio project to find out how it was made and learn from the people behind it so subscribe now by searching for the Radio Academy podcast.
0: You have been listening to Reproducer with Mark Jeeves and Jenny Nelson. And if you enjoyed our chat with Rachel Barton, have a listen to our conversations with more brilliant radio producers. People like Sarah Crawley, who's a producer at one of the longest running radio programs in the UK, Woman's Hour, on Radio 4. There's also an episode where we chat to Hussein Husseini, who was at the BBC, is now the morning editor at Times Radio. All these episodes and more are yours if you search for Reproducer Producer, click subscribe or follow wherever you get your
1: podcasts Re- producer. Re- 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 producer. When you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy.